Welcome to Rich in Life, a podcast for anyone looking to be entertained while picking up a few tips on life, luxury, and resilience. And now your host, Rich Irani. Hey, everybody. Today, I have a certified dietitian nutritionist. Her name is Carrie Glassman. She has a master's in science. She's a registered dietitian and a certified dietitian nutritionist. She's been on Rachel Ray, The View, The Today Show, Good Morning America, and Wendy Williams, just to name a few, which goes to show you she really must know what she's talking about. So first, I want to know, what you have for breakfast today? I don't know why that's what I was thinking of. What did you oh, have for okay. breakfast? So I had a smoothie. I was kind of off of smoothies recently, but I got back into them again over the past couple of days. And so I had a smoothie with, do you want to know what was in it? I'd love <laughs> to know what was in it. How much detail do you want? <laughs> I'm just curious. I want to know because I, I for sure thought you were going to say you had a bagel. <laughs> oh, yes. A big old bagel <laughs> with lots of cream cheese. No. No, nope, so nope, tell nope. me what kind of a smoothie, because yeah. I'm not a smoothie person at all. I don't yeah. like drinking my calories. I prefer to eat. Yep. No, I understand. I mean, I like to chew and I like, a, and I actually like carbs in the morning usually, which is why I've been off of smoothies. I usually have something like a sprouted grain bread or something. But anyway, today I did have a smoothie and I had, I was actually out of almond milk. So I just used water, which I sometimes do. So I had water. I had uh, mixed frozen organic berries. I had a big scoop of peanut butter. Uh, I had some chocolate protein powder. I had a cha- uh, cacao mushroom adaptogenic little powder mix in there. I had a couple handfuls of spinach, and I feel like I'm missing something. I think that's it. Yeah. So now I'm curious, how many calories is that smoothie? I mean, well, so I'm going to give you two answers. One, I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, okay. and I don't care. I'll tell you, exactly. I'm not a calorie counter. So the reason okay. I'm answering it that way is just to get across the point. I'm a calorie counter. I don't. I don't think about calories. On the other hand, as a dietitian and someone knows what she's eating or whatever, I have a pretty good sense because I always say I don't count calories. I'm not that calorie conscious. I don't like people to worry so much about calories. But you do need to have um, a sense of them. And I do have an understanding. And so I would say probably 250 calories that was. Okay. It sounded more, but okay. My other question for you is this, and I'm curious, and then I want to get on because, you know, I always have my selfish questions, is the Ezekiel bread that you buy Mm -hmm. from the supermarket that you keep in the freezer, is it any better and less carby than regular whole wheat bread, let's say? Well, it's much better for you. It has no sugar, first of all. So that's the, that's the thing I would look at more than the carbs. So oh. that would be a place where I'm, I'm less concerned about the carbs and I'm more concerned about the sugar. And the regular whole wheat bread probably has added unhealthy chemicals such as certain unhealthy preservatives that are added, also other unhealthy added ingredients such as sugar. I mean, you can have a whole wheat bread from the grocery store that has two forms of refined you know, sugars in them where the sprouted grain bread is going to be zero grams of sugar and that's what I care a lot more about. Okay, that's great. Good to know because we've been buying that and the kids actually like the um, Ezekiel bread. So that's good to know. How did you get started in this? I mean, how the hell does a person (laughs) just suddenly get started in getting into nutrition? Like, I I think I'm healthy, but I mean, we'll get to that later. You're going to help me out. But how'd you get into this? 
Oh, God. So it's funny. I mean, I could go. I mean, how long do we have? Because I could go way back or I could go way, way back. So I'll, I'll try to give, give me the, the Reader's back. Digest version. You can That's go hard for me. As, You're okay. going to get if you get to know me, you'll know it's hard for me to give the short answer to anything. But <laughs> okay, I'm going to okay. try really hard. It's fine. Um, we have time. But I want to know, were you fat? Were you, you know, I mean, what was the deal? How'd you get into Yeah, no, no, I get it. I totally get it. Well, first of all, I always say I was born to do this. I mean, my best friend from one of my best friends from growing up will tell you that in Mr. Stasek's seventh grade science class, I said to her, I'm craving almonds. My body must need vitamin E. And she looked at me like I was high. And I obviously had no idea what I was talking about, but clearly I had read it somewhere, probably in like some teen vogue or something. And it stuck with me. I absorbed it. I was interested in how, and, and how food fueled the body. Um, I was also an athlete. Uh, which I'll get back to in a moment, but I was an athlete, so I was always really interested also just in how food fueled the body. So fast forward, college became, um, did gain, I was never, I always say like being obese, that was never part of, that's not part of my story, but gaining a significant amount of weight, especially for my body um, in college is part of the story. So freshman year, I gained about 20 pounds, more than the, more than the freshman 15, 20, 25 pounds or so. But I played two sports in college. Wait, and can so we pause for one second? And I'm sorry to interrupt you. Why is it that when girls go to college, they say the first year they always gain weight? Why yeah. is that a thing? Well, I think there's there's a couple of reasons. For me, I'll say that right before I went to college, I didn't really need to diet. I didn't really need to lose weight. But I was a little bit probably bored that summer before going to college, just maybe for whatever reason, I got a little more into working out. I start, I actually did the Scarsdale diet, which the only reason I did it was it was sitting in my kitchen because my mom used to do it regularly. <laughs> my so mom I too. said, oh, I'm going to lose a little weight before I go to college. Really didn't need to lose any. Ended up losing a lot of weight because I'd never dieted before. And so I lost a lot of weight. So then when I went to college, there was a little bit about of that, you know, you lose and then you gain it right back when you change your habits. So I had a little bit of that yo-yo thing going on. But I also think women, a lot of women gain weight when they go to college because one, they're drinking a lot more. They're drink, there's drinking calories, right? Yep. You're eating late at night and you're eating late at night. You're eating, those are extra additional calories. And generally they're the unhealth, the most unhealthy, worst kind of calories, the pizza, the fries. So you're eating all of that in conjunction with, um, you know, lack of sleep and then the, the, the drink calories. And so, I mean, it makes sense, right? Okay. I want you to continue going back to how. Oh, so, it. yep. So I was saying, so I, so I was also, so I gained that weight in college, but I also played two sports in college. And I remember, so I couldn't say, okay, I'm just going to drink diet Coke and do whatever else my friends were doing and, you know, stay skinny. I, you know, cause some of my friends weren't having that problem and they were drinking diet Coke and not really very healthy, but they were fitting into their skinny jeans just fine. So I'd say, how do I fuel myself for the athletic field to do what I got to do, but also to fit into my skinny jeans on a Saturday night? So I became more interested in nutrition again and how it fueled the body. And I always, it was never about, I just want to be skinny. It was about, I want to be strong and healthy because I need to be for what I do, but I also want to look good. And so I really became interested in, and I always say that's when Nutritious Life was born because Nutritious Life, the the my business, but the the philosophy behind it is how all of these different pillars, not just food, but what you, um, how you sleep, your relationships, 
what you drink, how they all work together physiologically and behaviorally. So I always say, you know, that was born even on a subconscious level in college because I really became interested in when I, wow, when I sleep well, I'm more motivated to go to the gym. And then when I work out, I study a little bit better and then I'm more motivated to eat well. And so that's where I say it was sort of born. But then I went and I worked at Sports Illustrated for a couple of years. I thought I wanted to do something there. And then I went back and I took my first class at NYU and then Anyway, so that that's how I got that's how I got into it. But I will sorry, one more part to that story though. When I was working at Sports Illustrated, which was a really fun, great, great first job, that was when uh, Health Magazine was owned by Time Inc. And we used to get all the magazines. I mean, this is twenty something years ago. We used to get all the magazines for free. So I'd be sitting there doing my work in ad sales, and Health Magazine would come around when it came out each month, and it would land on my desk, and I would say. I'm like, I would literally ignore, I'm pretty type A here, but I would ignore my work and just read it like cover to cover. And that's when I said, I got to go back to school for this. This is where, this is what I'm passionate about. I want to do something with this. I've always loved food and how it fuels the body. And so anyway, that's how you, it all started. And you were doing, you said ad sales for them? Is that what I was in, I was an ad sales assistant at the time. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's funny because on Goop, I think you said that your, it started at birth. Your interest in nutrition yeah. started at birth. Is what yeah. you said on, on Google. Well, right. So I started I started this story with you in seventh grade. I could go even further back to some funny other stories I have, but I, I want to go like back I from said. when you were in the womb. <laughs> I want to know what your mom did in the womb. I'll tell you everything she ate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything she ate. So what was the biggest misconception that you learned after becoming a certified nutritionist? Is there a misconception? Maybe there isn't. Maybe it's everything they tell us. Well, I mean, I think it depends on where you're coming from, right? You know, like you asked me about calories when we started. So I would say if you're a big calorie counter, I'd say that's the biggest misconception for you. Forget about the calories. Learn to listen to your body, putting in these whole foods, get rid of all those um, unhealthy chemicals. Like you said, you switched to sprouted grain bread. That's a great right, that's was That so, was a great example that right. I just learned. That would so, be a misconception. Just right, so getting you, a whole wheat bun is not making you any more nutritious or healthier. Generally, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's why. Like, so for you, I'd say that's a, that might be a big misconception. So it really depends on the person. I mean, I think for me, um, someone that came from again being obese wasn't necessarily part of the story, but a lot of emotional eating and yo-yo dieting. That's definitely was was part of my story. And I think really learning to embrace like I was already talked about these different pillars of a nutritious life and being really committed and consistent with the other pillars, not just the food, but drinking your water every day, focusing on your sleep as much as you focus on what you eat, focusing on managing your stress, doing all of these other things and giving them as much weight as you give food. That's what I would say was my biggest learning, but I think it was partly, I mean, I learned and I, I read a lot about it when I was getting my master's, but like I said, I started digging into that before I even went back to school for nutrition when I was just in college because I was fascinated by it and I was sort of living it. But I would think that that's, that's like the biggest misconception probably that I think most people have right now. They want to lose weight or they want to be healthy and they just focus on their food and they forget that all of these other, you know, what I call pillars of a nutritious life work together equally and affect each other physiologically, behaviorally, and it all goes together and it all falls in place. Yeah. It's 
harder. It's even harder than eating. I mean, when you say, and I want to get into this because I want to talk about, I have sleep deprivation. Sometimes I go through, you know, I not drinking water. You know, I do make sure that I do drink at least eight ounces of whiskey a day, but my water, I just can't seem to get in, but it's harder than even that's even harder than concentrating on food. I mean, so if like, you're going to pick one, which one do you pick? I, I don't know. What was the, what was the first thing you changed after becoming a certified nutritionist? If there was anything you changed, was there anything that you changed? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, was it the sleep? Was it, uh, yeah, go back. So so I want to go back to the first part of what you were just saying is that you said, it seems like overwhelming. There's all these things then to focus on. And I keep it really simple for people. I like to keep it really simple and also actionable for people so that they can be inspired to make change and put some small changes into action immediately. So let's say it depends on the person where you would start. You don't have to do it all at once and you don't have to do it all perfectly and you don't have to focus on all of them. I'll tell you, my sleep sucks. (laughs) I am terrible at sleep and I'm always trying to work on it because I'm so bad. I've been a horrible sleeper my whole life and I work on it hard, but I know that that's probably my worst pillar right now. And it is absolutely, it affects, it affects me in many different ways. So I'm working. Would you take a sleeping pill or would you take something to help you sleep? So I don't like taking any kind of sleeping pills. I just, I feel like crap the next day. I'm not, I'm real. I don't want to say that there's never a time and a place for medicine because there is, there is a time and a place for certain medications for sure. I don't think they've worked very well for me. And I think I've had more negative effects and I just don't like to do that. So what I do is I try to work on my sleep routine as much as possible. So for example, at night, I will have a cup of chamomile tea. Chamomile tea, the chamomile actually builds up in your system over time and actually can be more as equally effective as some over-the-counter sleep aids. So I have a chamomile tea. I take magnesium at night. Magnesium can help relax you and, and can aid in sleep. I try to do, which I'm not, I'm I'm not always great and consistent with this, but I try because again, I'm human. Just because I know what to do doesn't mean I do it perfectly. But right. I try instead of watching Netflix right before I go to bed, I try to finish that Netflix show that I'm watching and then shut everything down and then do some sort sort of a meditation. When I have a lot of things going on in my mind, which is usually every day, I always suggest that people write down your stresses so that when you wake up at three in the morning, you're not stressing about them. You've already kind of put them to bed. So then you can do some deep breathing. So I'll write down just a little tiny note next to my bed, like, ah, call this doctor, or I'm stressed about blah, blah, blah with my child. And I'll just write a little note. And literally it's like, put it to bed, put it to bed. I know my stresses will be there in the morning for me. And then when I wake up at three in the morning, instead of kind of letting that spin, I just, I do some deep breathing. And sometimes I go back to bed and sometimes I don't. And it's, it's really, it's hard. Um, It is hard. That sounds like a lot of work. I just ordered Relaxium. So hopefully I can bypass everything you just said. I'll let you know how that works. I don't know if it really works or, you know, I don't like anything that's addictive. So if it's something that you really have to keep doing, I'm not interested in it. But that sounded, but what I just said sounded like a lot of work, but it's, I know, I know, but I know it's not, I know that's my shtick. Have a cup of tea, have a cup of tea as you're watching your show and then take your, like your magnesium, like you might take another supplement. And then, you know, it's not really that much, it's not that much work. And that's what I help people do, but you don't have to work on every pillar at once. You know, for some people, if you're drinking four Diet Cokes a day and nothing else, it's, well, let's just switch to club soda you know, to start with, or cut down to two and then go to club soda for the other two and then cut out those and then move on. It doesn't have to be overwhelming and you don't have to do it all perfectly all the time. Right. I mean, how terrible is soda? I find it to be poison to me. I I mean, to me, it's poison. I would, I would 
say that as well. I think it's one of the worst things you can do because it's just, it's doing absolutely nothing for you where it is just pure. If you're having regular soda, that's just sugar. It is just pure liquid sugar, which doesn't satisfy you. And it is just, and sugar is inflammatory. And um, I mean, we know inflammation causes, is linked to everything from heart disease to neuronal degeneration to poor skin to I mean every everything unhealthy really is related to to um, you know comes from inflammation right every 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 poor condition I should say and disease so yeah uh, and sugar is you know a, a major culprit of that so but me, even the diet soda I mean like me like yes. the fresca I'm not gonna lie to you I, wait that's I, so I, funny you like fresca yes that is I do so old school for me so that is so funny so I have not thought of fresca in so long but if I it's the only thing that I if drink. I were to ever have a soda, it would be a Fresca. Yes. That is so fun. And I have not had that in so long, but oh, that grapefruit, the grapefruit. Yes. I had flavor. a friend hmm, bring me like two cases of it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had a friend bring me two cases in the summer. We kept it in the freezer downstairs because I didn't want to see it, but I couldn't help it. Every night I'd run down and I said, this cannot be in the house. Yeah. But by the way, if that's like your work, if, if you're drinking water all day long right, and I you know. are, and that's like, and you're, and that's a one treat, that's also different than someone that's not getting any water in and is eating unhealthy fried food all day and having their diet soda. But if that's like your treat, listen, I wouldn't encourage you to keep doing it. And I'd help you try to try to get it out of your, out of your life. But also you got to be realistic with your, you know, with your, with your indulgences. Right. And so, um, but going to, so I was just talking about regular soda, but going to diet soda, I mean, I think that's even worse, to of be course, honest. the chemicals. The, the artificial sweeteners terrible, make you crave yeah. more sweets. It's all chemicals, unhealthy chemicals, I should say. It disrupts your microbiome, which, you know, your gut health, which is linked to your brain health, which is linked to your immune system and everything else. So yeah, I, I am not a fan of soda or diet soda. But that's, the, but that's a perfect example of where you could change someone's whole way of living and their whole lifestyle just by tweaking that. You have someone that drinks four diet sodas a day and no water and you get them, you know, over time and a few steps to drink water and all of a sudden their skin feels better. They're more energetic. They have less cravings and they start eating healthier and they start eating healthier and then they're sleeping better and then they're sleeping better and they're, they start going to the gym. It's like that one little thing. So sometimes it doesn't have to be this massive overhaul. It can sometimes just be something as small as that to sort of trigger this good snowball effect of a healthier lifestyle. And that's how I love to help people is like to make those changes. I say you make a change, like you do something like you love cheesecake, but you eat it once a year on Christmas. Well, so what? Enjoy that cheesecake. (laughs) But if it's something that you're doing on a daily basis and you can make one small change there and then build on those changes, that's when when it becomes life-changing. Yeah, I think that's what also makes a good nutritionist. I have a friend of mine, um, Bob Harper, he was on the show actually. And I remember many, many years ago, he was helping me to kind of, you know, eat healthier. And he's like, he wouldn't take something away from me. I was having at the time, I used to like this um, hot chocolate that had chemicals, diet, you know, that you make. And he knew, he goes, you know, I'm not going to take that away from you. He's like, I'm not taking that away from you, but he took other things. So yes, I think a good nutritionist will know, you know, you need some kind of advice, at least in the beginning. Eventually, of course, I switched from the hot chocolate to green tea, which is now all I drink is green tea. That's great. That's great. 
Well, also, you want people to make changes that are going to be lasting. You don't want people to make changes and be all hardcore and then let that last for two weeks. I mean, what's the point of that? Then someone just feels worse about themselves. Now I've just failed at this. I mean, they're in an even worse position. You want to build on people's successes and add on to these successes. So I'd rather have someone have one little success, add on to that, and then add on to that and add on to that and build versus like going hardcore, making all these changes and then just crashing and feeling like crap about yourself. It doesn't get you anywhere. I agree. I think anything that you do in a crash course kind of a way, whether it's diet or exercise, which is why I always say, and I always say this on my show too, is that I'm very consistent in everything I do. You know, even my workout, people tell me, you know, get pumped, get pumped, drink, drink your smoothies. You'll get more, you know, for the way you work out, you should be bigger, bigger. I don't want to be bigger because I'm not going to be doing this always. And if I break my leg or break my wrist, like I did, and I stop all that muscle is going to fall to my stomach not interested. So it's, yeah, yeah, I don't believe in any extremes. Consistency is key. And I say that too. Consistency is key with everything. Habits, consistency, all of that is, is incredibly key. I, I, I totally agree with you with everything, whether it's your diet, your exercise, any other aspect of lifestyle, your sleep routine, your business, anything. Even my consistent drinking every day of my alcohol is okay. Well, maybe not. By the way, I see that bar right behind you right now. I'm like, you all half the half the bottles are empty now. So. so now I was noticing on your Instagram, Nutritious Life Official, which is yeah. actually very, very interesting. You talk about so many topics that I've heard about. I think forever, you know, as you know, I had my shop Chucky's, I still have it, a women's shoe store. And all I've done with women is talk for, you know, 25 years about everything. And one of the interesting things you talk about, which I never talk about is you talk about foods that help you poop. Yeah. (laughs) Which, and the funny thing is like, we all know what that is fiber. I had Tanya Zuckerbrot on and, you know, she talks about fiber, 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 which is great. But I want to know your perspective on, A, how important is fiber? What other foods are you talking about to help people stay regular? Yeah. So, well, first of all, can I just go to Chucky's for a second? Yes, please do. (laughs) So I lived, my first apartment in New York City uh, was on 63rd Street, and I lived on 63rd Street for many years right down the block. I didn't even need to cross the street to get to Chucky's when I first moved to New York City and lived, uh, lived there for a very long time. So uh, yeah, Chucky's was where when I was a student getting my master's in clinical nutrition at NYU, that was if I if I wanted to indulge, <laughs> indulge in shoes, that's where I would that's where I would go. So so do yeah. you remember me? Because I was a fixture there. I mean, yeah, I, but I was so well, like I said, I was a student. I was and I was young in my early twenties as a student with not not really the budget to be shopping at Chucky's all the time. Right. So I would I would I would sparingly go in there. But yes, I do remember you and your and I rem- I remember the. Um, I remember other people yeah. from the store. No, no, no. But, but I, how cute was I? You were adorable. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm kidding. But wait, the whole neighborhood was great because you live there. So, you know, Francesco Scavulo's studio was right there. I don't yep. know if you remember. Yep. And Andy Warhol and Cindy Crawford. I mean, and Cheryl Teagues, they all lived on the Upper East Side. They were regular customers. I used to see them on a daily basis. And it really was a great time, I think, in New York City. But anyway, I, I, let's get back yeah. to pooping. Okay, so pooping. So so pooping is very important. It's a it's an important part of what your body does. And 
Um, actually, it was funny. Just I had a colonoscopy recently, and and the doctor was that the the nurse came in before the colonoscopy. This might be TMI, by the way. Anyway, no, keep and he, going. And he was asking, so well, you know, are you ready for the colonoscopy? How did you clean yourself out, or what colors your poop and all this? And so, and he's sort of like hesitating, and I was like, I'm a dietitian. I love talking poop. Let's keep going. You can ask me. And so he said, so and anyway, it turns out by the way, I wasn't fully cleaned out, but that's another story. But then he said, so he said, well, in that case. I talk about poops like being prepared for colonoscopy, but I want to know just about poop in general. So how, what, what, what should my poop look like? And how often should I be pooping? And anyway, so we had this whole poop talk. So I, I, I like talking poop. So, so anyway, you where, some where, where was I going tips, with right. that? You should be pooping no, so you every get, day. Yeah, so you should be. So now we had an incident with our son. Uh, he woke up at 1030 at night the other night and he never cries. I mean, he had stitches twice. He rarely ever cries. He woke up crying, holding his stomach. It was oh, yeah. hurting him, hurting him, and he was shaking. So we were got very scared. We brought him into our bed, and he kept saying, do something, give me Tylenol, do something. And then we started freaking out. It only took 10 minutes. So we it was freezing that night. I couldn't leave. Brad wrapped him up. We wrapped him up in a blanket, and we ran two blocks away to the kids' hospital, yeah. right on 69th or 68th. Yeah. And meanwhile, you know, I'm trembling. I'm thinking, who am I going to call? By now, it's midnight. And I'm yeah. thinking, which friend am I going to call that knows all the doctors if, God forbid, it's his appendix? Yep. And so I'm going through this for an hour and a half thinking if it's his appendix, what am I going to do? Who am I going to call in the middle of the night? In any case, Brad calls me and says, no, he's constipated. <laughs> it was like yeah. my heart. It felt so good. So they just happened to have given him an enema. And yeah. Brad told me when they get when when they got home that he was dancing in the hallway. He was moonwalking, saying, I never felt this good in my life. Yeah. Oh, wait, how old is he? He's seven and a half. Oh, so cute. So my son is going to be 19 in May, so a little bit older wow. than that. But he, uh, when he was a baby, he used to get constipated, like a little bit younger than that, but he used to get constipated in a major way. He would be so happy if I was talking about this right now, by the way. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's show a picture and Thank give his goodness, name. Thank goodness, he hey, will girls. not. There's no hey, chance girls. he's going to listen, so that's okay. <laughs> but anyway, so let's talk more about him. Anyway, no. Right. So he used to get really constipated, but as a baby, but I remember, it was, I mean, it was so, so painful for them. I used to feel so bad for him. Um, anyway. here's so the scary thing. Wait, Carrie, but here's the scary thing is I, I usually monitor their bathroom things like because my daughter never I never know when she goes so one day I asked her I'm like did you go to the bathroom she's like why do you want to know I said I have to know and she looked at me and this was a year ago she was six yeah. and a half she's like you don't have to know <laughs> so I asked my sister about it and she said if she feels okay she's going I go but I never know my yeah. son I always know because he needs help oh. this that but the fact that I allowed three days to go by without knowing I felt guilty Oh, no, 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 no. You can't feel guilty about it. You, I mean, and he's also seven and a half. He's going to, the, he's going to school. He's going to the bathroom. He's like, he's doing his, you know, he's doing his activities of daily living. He's going about his way. Like, I don't okay, think you so don't, talk to me I'm about taking adults. away your guilt there. I'm taking away your guilt. Let's, let's, don't worry about that. And okay, he's good. fine. He he's was fine. fine. Thank God. Walking. Yes. Thank God. He's fine. He was dancing out of there. For an adult, how long can you go? I mean, until yeah. it becomes dangerous. How well, I mean, it, it, I mean, that really is going to depend on on the individual. So I'm not going to say an exact time, but really you should be going. You really should go one to three times a day. And I know some people are like, what, three times a day? So I always, that's why I say one to three. Ideally, it's three times after each, one after each meal. But for most people, I'd say, you know, at least that one time a day. 
Um, but it is. I mean, it's an incredibly important part of our of our system and, and what we do to stay healthy. Um, so, but you asked about the types of foods you need, and so there's a so aside from the foods, we know we need we know we need foods with fiber, soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. So you're going to look, you know, obviously your fruits and your vegetables, your nuts and your seeds, and your whole grains, because then you're going to get a combination of things that have soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. And you probably don't want a whole lesson on the difference there. You, but No, no, I, I know what it is. One is the, the pee, you pee it out, the other one, but you can explain it better. So well, explain no, no. soluble versus insoluble. Fiber. I mean, the, the, so the, people the, understand. the real simple, ver the real simple one is one is the solubles, one helps create the bulk and one helps brush the bulk out. That's really going to be the difference. But most foods have a combination of both. Okay. So something like oatmeal um, is going to have more soluble right? Where a whole grain is going to have more insoluble, but you, but all of those foods I just so mentioned. So the insoluble keeps it in bulk. Is going to create the bulk. It's going to create the, the bulk. The soluble and is going to create, the soluble is going to, help yes, you go. The, the, the insoluble is going to push it out. The soluble is sort of what think of like soluble, like expands and is creating the bulk. Is there, so other than oatmeal, what other foods can you recommend that? Yeah, have so, so as I just, so as I was just saying, so nuts and seeds are going to have fiber. Fruits and vegetables are going to have fiber. Um, whole grains are going to have fiber. But all of those foods, like I said, they're going to have a combination of all of them. I just gave the example of the oatmeal of having the soluble as an example of one food that's higher in one. But most, again, have a little bit of a combo. But so, and many people know, know that, right? And then you know certain foods are going to be higher in fiber than others, like um, beans, for example, leg leg legumes. They're going to have, we know that they have a lot of fiber. We know that um, even whole grains like even popcorn has fiber, right? It's a whole grain. So yeah, like I would have never known that. Mm -hmm. So that the other, so aside from all the different foods, right? So think your fruits and your vegetables and your nuts and your seeds and your whole grains. I'm just putting, I'm just clumping all of those together for a moment. When you eat a a diet that's high in these plant-based foods, you should, in, generally, you will get adequate fiber. But aside from that, you also want to make sure, and this is where sometimes people forget, there's a few other things you have to do to make sure that you go to the bathroom regularly. You want to make sure you have enough fat in your diet. So some foods have fat and fiber, like avocado is a great source of fiber plus healthy fat. Um, nuts and seeds have fat and they have fiber in them. So you have to make sure that you're getting enough fat in your diet, whether it's from a place that also has fiber or just fat in your diet from things like olive oil and um, other, other, you know, other fats. Um, you also want to make sure you're drinking enough liquid. You're, you're hydrated enough. You have to be hydrated for your, to go to the bathroom. And then the other thing that people often forget is two other things I'd say people forget is one is uh, managing stress. If you haven't managed your stress and you're extremely stressed, you're, you could easily become constipated. Your, your digestive system isn't going to work as well. Your body, like there's that mind-gut connection. When your body is stressed, you are not, it's not going to function like it should. So managing your stress, being adequately hydrated, getting your healthy fats, as well as a combination of fiber, those things are all going to be important. And then the other thing is having really good gut health. We talked a little bit already about your microbiome. 
So your microbiome, um, we know, is all of those, the good, back, the bacteria in your gut, the good bacteria and the bad bacteria. No, wait, so we, we didn't talk about that. So explain oh, to me that. I thought, we talked about, me. I thought we talked about it for a second. We talked about something else. We might have, but now explain it. it. Okay. I want to know more so about the microbiome, your microbiome yeah. is where you have all of the bacteria in your gut, your good bacteria and your bad bacteria. And your good bacteria and your bad bacteria are um, important in in your overall gut health and your overall gut health. And we all have good and bad, right? That's that's very normal. But the the your bacteria in your gut play a significant role in your gut health. And your gut health is linked to everything from your you know your hormones, your your immune system, your brain health. So even it's even linked to weight. So your gut health is is incredibly important for all of those things, as well as just your gut health functioning properly, going to the bathroom properly. So having foods that are um, that are rich in probiotics, like um, kefir, which you know is 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 a is a do you know what kefir is? It's a yogurt. I like, do not a yogurt drink. It's a yogurt uh -huh. drink. Um, so it's similar to a Greek yogurt, but it's more it's. Um, Brad, more do you know what that drinkable. is? It's more of a drinkable yogurt. The drinkable, you yeah. know what that so is? So you could put that in a smoothie, um, sauerkraut, but like real sauerkraut, um, uh, kimchi, which is another fermented type of food. So there's lots of these probiotic rich foods that help maintain a good healthy gut. And then that's also why sometimes people take a probiotic as well. Right. That, I was going to say, so you can just take a probiotic. What do you drink it? Yeah, no, you can take a probiotic in a pill form, but pill, again, yeah. I wouldn't even recommend a specific one right here because probiotics are very specific to the to their individual to the strain of bacteria, and you want to make sure that you're taking one for your needs. If you have constipation versus someone that has diarrhea or you know IBS or whatever, or you want to take it for your immune health versus GI issues, you're going to take a different probiotic, which is why you really need to work with someone to figure out which is the best probiotic for me. Okay. So now question, let's say you are- We just very went down like a whole road there that- <laughs> No, no, I know. It, it, no, it's great. This is so informative and it's great. So let's say you just have people listening that, you know, you already explained that if, you know, everyone has specific needs, but if people are very regular- and they just have normal, and they don't even really need a probiotic, or they just don't eat enough of it, yeah. they should still get the probiotic and take it, even if they think they don't need it, even if they're yeah, very no, regular. I, don't, I wouldn't say that everyone has to take a probiotic. No, no. Okay. not everyone. But I would okay. say that just having good gut health is going to start with not having all of the unhealthy foods that cause inflammation and, you know, the packaged processed fried foods and high sugary foods, things like that, and focus on good gut health is going to come from having lots of plants in your diet, like I was just talking about all those foods that are high in fiber, drinking, having enough hydration, making sure you're getting enough healthy fat, you know, managing your stress, um, and then incorporating probiotic rich foods into your diet, like even yogurt, having a good quality yogurt once a day, having- I, know. I hate yogurt, so I mean, that's never, unless it's frozen yeah. yogurt with chocolate chips in it. So, I mean, that's useless. I don't think that. that's going to do anything. Okay. No, that's going to do, that's going to do more damage for your, for your gut health. Exactly. That's why I, I, I don't yeah. have it. So yeah. uh, talk to me now, like bloating. Let's talk about bloating because I've mm -hmm. known, I, I've actually had a friend that went to so many different doctors because she had bloating. And then the doctor said she was gluten-free. She went through a zillion tests and she stopped eating gluten, spent all this money, and it wasn't that after all. She, it was good for five minutes, and then the bloating kind of came back. So, 
is there any correlation between, first of all, I don't know if I believe in gluten-free. It seems it's only for the rich people. I've never <laughs> met anyone poor that is gluten-free. It's always rich people on the Upper East Side and Lululemons and, you know, fancy <laughs> shoes and clogs. They're gluten-free. You know, That's I've funny. never met anyone else. So is, first of all, is there really such thing of a person that really is gluten-free and can gluten make you bloated for some people. Well, Can that what really... I think you're asking, I think you're asking is, is there really someone that needs to be gluten-free? Yes, right? that is, is what I'm saying? asking. I yeah, love how okay. you translate my dumb English to better No, I, I don't, by no, the way, is, sounded, I, don't I hope that didn't sound rude. I don't. No, not really at all. I love it. That's... I just want to, I really didn't mean to, I, I hope I'm not no, sounding no. like that. I'm saying it. I'm really it didn't saying didn't carry it. Like, I love it. Me and you are going to be friends, please. The more Brad abuses me, the more I love him. Okay. So, no, so, okay, so um, as far as being gluten-free and who needs to be gluten-free, there are, what I, what I always like to tell people, people uh, will always, you know, people very often ask me, are you gluten-free? Are you dairy-free? I'm like, I eat it all. <laughs> I eat it all. Bring on the bread, bring on the dairy, bring on the meat. I eat it all, okay? But I'll, but I'll explain. So gluten, as far as being gluten-free, I am probably 90 7% gluten-free, but I don't ever think about it. I don't ever refer to myself that way. It's not even anything I, I think about. And most of my clients, I don't see people individually anymore, but when I did, most of them ended up mostly gluten-free, but not because they're trying to be gluten-free, not because they're eating gluten-free products, because a healthy whole food diet is not heavy in gluten. So in let me let me explain. I'll take it a step further. If you're eating Healthy fats, avocado, nuts, seeds, olives, olive oils. You're eating high quality protein, whether it be animal or plant. Grass-fed beef, organic tofu, legumes, all of that, right? Fruits, all right. vegetables, all of that's going to be gluten-free. All of that yes, is gluten-free. Yes, but they're putting it on bread. No, I People know. People are so, putting so, it on bread and eating right, it with so, French fries. No, so what I'm saying is, so then you take the the small portion of your diet that should come from things like whole grains and, and uh, you know, that the, when you incorporate those things into your diet, some of those are gluten-free grains you can have, right? Like, it, um, or let's say even like high fiber, high fiber carbohydrates, like a sweet potato. Like I prefer to get my carbohydrates from a sweet potato or potatoes than I would from bread. That's naturally gluten-free. So the amount of gluten that I have in my diet is very, very, little to begin with, not because I'm trying to, but because it's just a healthy whole food diet. So when someone is eating a lot of gluten, they're generally eating things that are not healthy for them to begin with. Things like refined breads, packaged unhealthy cereals, you know, sweets, muffins, junk like that. So when you take out that gluten, it's not that someone's gone gluten free, it's that they've taken the crap out of their diet. That's why they lose weight. So then you have, okay, so that's like the, that's like the majority of people that I think, oh, I went gluten-free and I lost weight or I went gluten-free, it was good for me. It's but like, if no, you go gluten-free, can you also lose the bloating? So so that's, my, that's the next thing. So that's, but that's the most people that think gluten-free works well. Right. The person that says, okay, so I've been really bloated, I'm gonna go gluten-free. There, there are some people that, well, there's some people that have to be gluten-free because they have celiac disease and that's a whole other topic. But if you have celiac, you need to be gluten-free at 100%, like there's no way around it. There are people that are intolerant and they generally need to be gluten-free too. And then there are people that are sensitive. So are there people that right, that are sensitive to gluten but aren't, don't have a real, you know, aren't celiac 
And are they affected? And is their GI tract affected by gluten? Do they have inflammation? Do they have bloating from gluten? Yes, there absolutely are many people that fall into that category. So would the bloat go away in that case? Oftentimes, yeah, the bloat would, the bloat would go away in that case. But very often, there are people that have bloating and have issues going on, and they take out the gluten, and it doesn't help because it wasn't the gluten that was causing it. It was something else. So in the case of like what you what you were saying with your friend, like that's not that wasn't then her issue. You right. know what I mean? And and sometimes trying and taking out the gluten can be beneficial. There is a time to take out the gluten and do what you know it's called an elimination diet to see if it is the gluten that is causing the bloating. However, for many people, that's not the reason the person is bloated. The person might be bloated because they're having a lot of sugar alcohols in in diety type foods, or they or, may be, or 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 they might be sensitive to something else. They might be sensitive to legumes, which is a good healthy food, but maybe or maybe them, they're replacing. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but maybe they're yes. also replacing uh, gluten with gluten-free pizza, yes. gluten-free pretzels, but which just, is it right? So is it true that gluten-free pretzels, which I noticed have sugar? Like, so you are, I'm so happy you brought that up because that was the last part of this little gluten convo that I wanted to mention is that the worst thing that someone can do is go gluten-free and add in gluten-free products that are generally filled with, that are more <laughs> right. unhealthy than the gluten products because they're filled with all kinds of unhealthy chemicals and fillers. The only time I say gluten-free, I like people to have gluten-free products, it's not for the average person to get rid of bloating or whatever, or, or even the average person that needs to go gluten-free just to say, oh, now I'm going to be gluten-free and eat all these gluten-free muffins and gluten-free breads. That's, I never want people to use gluten-free products like that. I like people to use gluten-free products like gluten-free breads. I'm not talking about naturally gluten-free. Naturally gluten-free foods are what we all should be eating. Gluten-free products like bread should be used when people absolutely have to be gluten-free. They have a true intolerance, they have celiac disease, and they really need that replacement for, let's say someone has celiac, and you know what? They wanna have a sandwich every once in a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something like that. That's when they should use it. It shouldn't be, oh, I'm gluten-free. I'm going from eating my really delicious, you know, egg scramble in the morning to now having a, a big gluten-free muffin. Like that's not the right. way you eat gluten-free foods. And so it's yeah, like that vegans. can cause more harm than damn it. That can cause right. more harm than good. Than good, right. It's like vegans that suddenly oh. just eat pasta all day. Oh, well, I always say, yeah, you, if you're going to be vegan, you have to be a responsible vegan. You don't be, yeah. you don't go vegan and stop eating meat and then become like a Diet Coke and pasta drinker, which is what, you know, 20 <laughs> right. years ago when people would come right. to my office, that's what they would start to, I said, that, that is so much worse for you than what you were eating. But also, by the way, taking it a step further, if we're going to talk about the vegan thing, that's like people that go vegan and then eat all this fake, all these fake meats. I say, go vegan and reap the benefits of having like the legumes and nuts and seeds and more plant, more natural plant protein but replacing it with all this artificial junk, it's the same exact thing that we just talked about with the gluten-free products. Okay, so Carrie, now I don't have, eat I'm ready. sorry, Rich, you have a question. Yes, how, that's Robin, how do you, Robin, hi, Robin Stein, my producer. I just want to yeah, introduce I love her. She's yeah, we're friends. I love Robin. I love okay. you, Carrie. And, I, and we live across the street from each other. That's right. We do. <laughs> so with the whole cauliflower craze, right? Yeah. How do you feel about that? 
So I think the cauliflower craze, I love when people use things like cauliflower rice or, you know, putting, adding cauliflower to your smoothie for more, you know, you're getting, it's cruciferous veggie, you're getting antioxidants, you're getting fiber. It's great. So I love it for that. And I don't think because you're having cauliflower rice, you know, some people think that's so diet culture. I don't think that's diet culture. I think if you want to have that because you want to get more vegetables in and it's a satisfying way to get more veggies in, it's always like the intention behind eating it. If you're doing it because you're like, you think to yourself, I can't ever have a carb. That's not healthy. But if you're doing it from a place of, you know what? I don't want to have the pot refined pasta. I want to eat healthier. I want to have something that's a little more satisfying and rice-like. Then that's great. I'm all for that. I do think there are some cauliflower products though that have so much added sodium and cheese to kind of give it that, that cauliflower, to give it that real pizza crust flavor that then they're just... Yeah, then you're just loading up on cheese and sodium and other things. So it's sort of, you know, pick your poison. What would you rather have, the carbs or the or that? You know, it's not necessarily better for you, but it still is an option for people that can't maybe have regular pizza crust because they are truly gluten-free. Gluten-free, right. Got it. And what about, I want to go back to the fake meats because I do not eat red meat. You know, I'll have chicken, I eat fish, yep. but I don't eat red meat. I don't like it. So sometimes, uh, Brad, what do you make? Is it the Impossible Burger or the Beyond Beef or one of those things? No, no. They're terrible, right? Terrible. They're, terrible. Okay. Good. Uh, it's good. I'm so happy. I would so me. much rather. I would yeah. much rather if you don't want to eat meat. Listen, I'm not. It's not like, that I don't want to eat it. I just it makes me nauseous. I can't. So I'm not. Listen, I'm not vegan, but I would say that kind of like the gluten free thing, 90% of my diet is is naturally right and naturally gluten-free i mean i don't have meat i don't have meat ever animal protein more than once a day at most at most um so and the majority of my diet is plants but i do eat meat but if i didn't and there are there are many and for me it's just it works for me it's more satisfying it just works for me um but i eat really high quality grass-fed and finished organic beef and anyway but for my clients or people um, you know, that I, that I'm, I speak with about being vegan, there is a really healthy way, obviously, to be vegan and to reap all of the wonderful benefits without any of the negatives. The no, negatives but we want to also have quality of life. I'm not a vegan, but yeah. I want to also have the quality of life. Like if I'm not going, if I don't yeah. like, I'm not a vegan, but I don't like any red meat at all, not steak, nothing yeah. where there's blood or anything. Even chicken, Brad has to yeah. kind of camouflage it for me to eat yeah. it. I just don't like to see it, but I eat it. And I love my fish, my salmon, tuna, whatever yeah. I, I have. But how do you get, how do you get the feeling of eating meat, I guess, without actually eating the real meat? There isn't because well, soy is not I, good. What I never understood soy is, is terrible, that. right? Isn't soy terrible for women specifically? No. Okay. So wait, I want, let's go to soy in one second. Cause okay. I, I want to actually answer the meat thing for one thing. I, but I never understand too, is sometimes when people say tastes like, tastes exactly like your burger. Well, I'm like most people, <laughs> most people don't want it to taste like a burger. They're not eating the meat cause they don't want meat. But aside from that, I would rather you get, let's say you're not eating meat for whatever reason, whether it's cause you're vegan or you don't like the, you don't like the blood or whatever you don't like. I'd rather you have, you know, a black bean burger or a brown rice you know, edamame burger than have the fake processed soy. So on the soy topic, soy is not, this is another one of the best, it is not bad for you in its whole real form. There are actually, I mean, there are lots of studies on both sides when it comes to soy and cancer and all of that, but how I will say there is a lot of research 
on the benefits of soy. So I'm not anti-soy. I don't like people to overdo soy. And I also, what I really don't like people to do is have the fake soy. So real soy, and, and it, again, it's whole real form, like having some like edamame, that's great. It's the processed soy. Well, that's soy that's what I'm like talking about, right? Soy protein processed. isolate that they put in these fake nuggets things and everything. That's what I don't like. And that is what is, um, has been linked to, you know, unhealth, un, uh, that, that's really what's linked the, the unhealthy to cancers linked to. Yes. And so that's what I don't like, but real soy absolutely can have a role in a healthy diet for sure. Yeah. Edamame is a big part of our, you know, our house and eating for Good. the kids. It's fun to eat and, and it's healthy. Yeah. You've been listening to Rich in Life with Rich Arani. If you liked what you've heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Or visit us at richinlife.com. That's R-I-T-C-H in life.com.